0: Welcome to the Bridge to God's Word podcast with Carla Unseth, a linguistic consultant for missionaries working in Bible translation. We invite you to visit us at www.bridgetogodsword.org to learn more about Carla's ministry. Now, here's linguistic consultant Carla Unseth. Hi, and welcome to Building a Bridge to God's Word. This is Carla Unseth. So, I have been saying that I would like to do a series of podcasts that's an overview of the Bible, and so I'm going to start that series this week. And today, in today's podcast, I want to do more of a flyby of the whole Old Testament, and then I'll spend the next few podcasts going into a little bit more detail about the Old Testament, and then after that, move into the New Testament. So, the reason I'm doing this is that I think that when we study the Bible, we often sort of lose the forest for the trees, so to speak. We kind of miss the big picture because we get focused on these individual stories and individual books, but then we don't know how they play into the overall storyline of the Bible, how they all fit together. In fact, for myself, it wasn't until I was in college and took a Bible overview class that it really struck me that the Jews of the Old Testament were the same people group as the Jews in the New Testament. So that might not be a confusion for you, but I still feel like it's important for us to take a step back and look at the overall picture of the Bible. So to start with, let's look at what the overall theme is of the Bible. And like any good story, the Bible is centered around one main conflict. So the Bible starts with God creating the earth and humanity for His glory and His enjoyment And then immediately this relationship is broken by sin. So the focus of the Bible is resolving this conflict. How can humans return to the God who made them and loves them? And we'll get into this even more deeply in the next podcast. But for now, I want to say that all the stories in the scripture are part of this overarching story of God's redemption. So the Old Testament introduces this conflict and also introduces several different attempts at restoration, all of which ultimately fail. And the reason that we see these attempts and their, their failure is that it sets us up for the New Testament, where finally we see the turning point of restoration, and then we also see the hope of a future with complete restoration. So I'm not going to talk about a lot of the themes today because I first want you to have more an idea of the storyline, what stories there are and what order they're in and how they fit together. And then when we go into it next time, we'll go more in depth so we can actually say, what are the themes included with these stories? So with that in mind, let's look at the stories of the Old Testament. Let's start looking at Genesis, and our story starts, of course, with creation. We have the creation of Adam and Eve, and shortly after that, their fall into sin. So here we have right away this conflict introduced. And Genesis moves quickly through the next 2,000 years of human history, just briefly showing that things become so overrun with sin that God decides to destroy the whole earth with a flood. So we have Noah coming on the scene, and through him, eight people are saved and charged then with repopulating the earth. And they do that. More people are born. But once again, these people rebel against God, and they attempt to build a tower which will reach up to heaven so they can prove that they don't need God. And this is the Tower of Babel. And as a result of this, God confuses their languages, which causes them to spread out across the earth. So immediately in the story, we have creation, the fall, the flood, and then the creation of the nations. But from here, the story begins to focus on one particular family. So we have all these nations, but we're focusing on one family that comes from the line of Shem, one of Noah's sons. And we're introduced to Abraham, who starts out as Abram. And this is where the true promise of God's redemption begins. He promises to bless Abraham with land, descendants, and also that the whole world will be blessed through him. So this is a very significant blessing, and that's something that we'll discuss more in the next couple podcasts. So, but as we move on, Abraham has a son named Isaac, and then Isaac has two sons named Jacob and Esau. And, of course, you've probably heard about their conflict and how God's promise is affirmed to Jacob. So this promise of redemption is going to come through Jacob, and his name is changed to Israel. So Israel, or Jacob, has 12 sons, and the most famous, the one that we know the best, is Joseph. And Joseph is God's chosen instrument to preserve Israel's family through a time of famine. There's a famine in the, in the world, and Joseph brings the family down to Egypt so that they stay alive. But you might not realize that the promise to Abraham doesn't actually extend through Joseph. The Messiah, this ultimate redemption that God talks about, isn't foretold to come through Joseph's line but instead through another son, which is Judah. And of course, we'll talk more about that later also. So the Israelites moved to Egypt during the time of Joseph and they stay there for several generations and that concludes the book of Genesis. So just a quick side note, the events in the book of Job probably also happened during the times described in Genesis. But now we're moving on to Exodus. The Israelites have been enslaved by Pharaoh in Egypt And God appoints Moses to lead them out of Egypt. So the book of Exodus records the history of their flight from Egypt and through the wilderness. And then we have the books of Leviticus and Numbers. And those kind of go along with that same time period where they record God's laws given to Israelites during this time to help establish them as a nation. And again, these laws, all of this is part of the plan of redemption that God has that we'll look more deeply at in another podcast. So when we hit Deuteronomy, we find the Israelites poised on the edge of the promised land. But the entire generation that actually came out of Egypt has died. They wandered in the wilderness. All these people died. And so when we get to Deuteronomy, this generation doesn't know everything that has happened. So Deuteronomy is actually a recap that of everything that happened with their enslavement in Egypt and through the Exodus just as a reminder to this new generation of what has brought them to the promised land. So the next book is the book of Joshua. And Joshua begins when Moses dies and Joshua takes over the Israelites and they go into the promised land and conquer it. And or at least attempt to conquer it. So that's kind of the book of Joshua. And then we go into the book of Judges, where after Joshua dies, the Israelites aren't ruled by one leader necessarily, but they're ruled by a series of judges who are people who hear God's law and attempt to help the Israelites follow God's law. And this is where we get stories like Gideon or Samson or Deborah, um, there's a lot of warfare through this time. And we also see kind of a cycle of disobedience on the part of God's people, which is then followed by them being conquered, crying out to God, and then being restored by God. So we see that cycle through the Judges. And actually, the story of Ruth probably happened during the time of Joshua and Judges, which is why it's right there. So then we move into First and Second Samuel. And in these books, Israel asks for a king to be like the other nations. And so the prophet at the time is Samuel, and God tells him to anoint Saul to be king. And Saul is a good king who follows the Lord for about 20 years, but then he ultimately turns away from God. And God asks Samuel to appoint David as king instead. And David, as we probably know, is called a man after God's own heart. And God promises that the restoration of Israel will come through David's line. So here we have another very significant promise. And um, we will, again, address it a little bit more as we get into it more deeply. But we should also remember that David did not have it easy. His life and his reign were marked by rebellion and warfare. Before he actually becomes king, Saul attempts to kill him many times. And then even after he becomes king, his own sons try to usurp his throne. So David is constantly at war and constantly is fighting. And we can see David's feelings through this time in the Psalms. Many of the Psalms are written by David during this time. So even though David is called a man after God's own heart, he has his share of failures as well. And I'm sure you've heard the story of David and Bathsheba, but it's through Bathsheba that David's son Solomon is born and Solomon becomes the next king of Israel. And of course, he's known for his request to God for wisdom and that God not only gives him wisdom, but also gives him riches and long life as long as he continues to follow the Lord. And so Solomon builds up the nation of Israel until its greatness and its prosperity are known across the world at that time. And Solomon also writes the books of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and most likely Song of Solomon. However, Solomon falls away from God at the end of his life and begins to worship the gods of his wives. He marries many wives and they turn his heart from God. So God says that he will tear the kingdom away from Solomon's son. And this happens almost immediately upon Solomon's death. So his son, Rehoboam, is appointed king, and the people ask if he will lighten their load, their their load of taxation and of labor that Solomon has imposed upon them. And... In a stroke of genius, Rehoboam says no, he is going to be a more cruel leader than his father. So, not surprisingly, the people rebel, and they follow Solomon's former army commander, Jeroboam, instead. So, at this point, there are two tribes which remain loyal to Rehoboam, Solomon's son, the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, and the other ten tribes begin to follow Jeroboam instead. So for the rest of Israel's history in the Old Testament, the kingdom of Israel is divided. There are 10 tribes which make up the northern kingdom or the kingdom of Israel and the capital of this kingdom is Samaria. And there are two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, which make up the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, with the capital in Jerusalem. So the history of these two kingdoms is recorded in 1st and 2nd Kings and in 1st and 2nd Chronicles. And as you'll read these, you see that it'll switch back and forth. So it'll tell about one king of Israel and what he did and then it'll switch and tell about the king of Judah who was reigning during the same time or their reigns overlapped. So it can be a little confusing as you're reading these but you have to remember that there's two kingdoms at this time. The northern kingdom of Israel, capital in Samaria, southern kingdom of Judah, the capital in Jerusalem. It's during the time of these divided kingdoms that a lot of the prophets that make up the last books of the Old Testament are written. So, the prophets Isaiah, Micah, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, and Nahum prophesied in the southern kingdom of Judah during this time of 1st and 2nd Kings and 1st and 2nd Chronicles. And then Jonah, Hosea, and Amos prophesied in the northern kingdom of Israel during this time. So, it's interesting to note that the kingdom of Judah. They were the kings that were actually direct descendants of King David. And it was believed that the Messiah would come from the line of King David. So it was important to keep that line of kings going. And there were a few good kings in the southern kingdom, but not all of them. But in the northern kingdom, none of the kings followed God. None of them were obedient. So because there was so much evil in Israel... God allowed the Israelites to be overtaken by the Assyrians around 722 BC. And the Assyrians, when they overtook a, a land, what they would do is take people out of their homelands and bring them to other places in the kingdom and replace them with other exiles from other areas. So essentially, the 10 northern tribes are wiped from history at this time. They're completely dispersed and erased. They, they really don't come into play again. The kingdom of Judah, however, managed to remain intact. So Assyria conquered all of the lands around Judah, but Judah managed to stay strong and hold out. And part of the reason for that was because God was still protecting them because they had some good kings. Again, not all of them, but there were good kings during this time who brought the people back to God. And one of my favorite stories is of King Josiah who became king when he was eight years old, and through his reign, he led the restoration of the temple. And when the temple was being restored, the books of the law had apparently been lost, so they didn't have the books recording God's law anymore, but but they were found in this restoration of the temple. So Josiah rededicated the people to the Lord and brought the people back to following the law of the Lord. Unfortunately, this rededication didn't last and eventually the southern kingdom was conquered as well by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. So the Babylonians actually wiped out the Assyrians and conquered the entire region that the Assyrians had reigned including the kingdom of Judah. So from 605 to 586 BC, The Babylonians took three different waves of exiles from Judah into Babylon. And you know one of them, which is Daniel. And then also Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, of course, are also young men from Israel who were deported into Babylon. So we also have Ezekiel and Jeremiah who prophesied during this time. And Jeremiah also wrote the book of Lamentations. And it's thought that Obadiah prophesied at this time as well. So, the Jews were in Babylon for about 50 years, when the Persian Empire took over the Babylonians. And during the reign of King Cyrus in Persia, the Jews were actually allowed to return to their homeland. And they went back in three waves. So, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah describes these three waves. The first two are in the book of Ezra. There's a man named Zerubbabel, who goes back with a group of exiles and they rebuild the temple. The next was Ezra, who went back with another group of exiles because there was no priest to lead people in the worship of God, so Ezra was a priest who went back. And then the the book of Nehemiah describes the third wave of people, and Nehemiah realizes that the walls of Jerusalem are not rebuilt, so there's no way to defend the city, so he takes a group of exiles back to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And during this time, the prophets Haggai, Zechariah, and probably Joel prophesied. However, we also know that not all the Jews went back because the story of Esther takes place during this time and actually takes place in Persia. So the final book of the Old Testament is Malachi, and it's probably the last written book of the time period as well. So the prophet Malachi calls God's people to repentance one final time, and then following that is these about 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and New Testament, during which time there's no longer any prophets in Israel. God isn't speaking in Israel through prophets anymore, and the Israelites are just waiting to again hear from God. And if we look at world events during this time, this area of Palestine is ruled first by the Greeks, then it's overtaken by Syria and Egypt, and for about a hundred years, they actually have independence. But finally, Israel and Palestine falls to Rome, and that's in about 63 BC. And that, of course, is where the New Testament picks up. So that is a broad overview of the Old Testament. And on the next podcast, we'll dive a little bit more deeply into the themes of these stories and how they each move along the plot line of the Bible, the story of man's sin and God's plan of redemption. So thank you so much for listening. And I hope you'll join me again next time for Building a Bridge to God's Word.